This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Mercedes Helms and Jacqueline Brown from Prince of Peace Parish in Great Bend talk about celebrating Our Lady of Guadalupe. One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Mercedes and Jacqueline are being interviewed by our on air host, Ken Billinger. Right now we welcome in Jacqueline Brown and Mercedes Helms from Prince of Peace Parish in Great Bend. We're going to talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe, too. And Jacqueline is the Director of Youth and Adult Ministry at Prince of Peace in Great Bend, also a natural family planning intern. And and also Mercedes Helms is here. Uh, She is the Pastoral Minister at Prince of Peace in Great Bend. Ladies, welcome, and thanks for coming in and uh, taking a little time with us today. First off, uh, most of our listeners know Jacqueline because she's been on the air before. Uh, But um, Mercedes, if you would, please tell us a little bit about yourself. I was born and raised in the Republic of Panama and graduated as an accountant in the University of Panama. I came here in 2001. I am married to Cody Helms. I have two children. Walter is 20. Nikki is 18. And as you said, I'm working as a pastoral minister in Prince of Peace Parish for 10 years and I work with the Hispanic community in Great Bend. All right, very good. Well, we welcome you, and glad you're able to join us this afternoon. And let's talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, that's something very dear and and near and dear to so many, especially in the Hispanic community, Our Lady of Guadalupe. What is the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with the listeners? Um, It's merely a story of a miracle uh, about (laughs) faith, conversion, hope, obedience, trust, humility, perseverance. It is the result of a true mystery. It narrates the apparition of our blessed mother Mary to a humble servant, the Indian Juan Diego, to whom she asked to be a messenger to the bishop with her request to build a church in her honor where all the faithful can come and pray. In despite of doubts from the bishop and the weather situation, the Blessed Mother sent the sign of her presence by having her face imprinted in the petals of roses in that time of the year that was too cold and it was impossible to have roses. I love that story, and that's, um, you know, one, in, in fact, if I remember right, because the, the roses that were, weren't they also not native to, the, to that part of the world too is that exactly. right exactly there yeah. was no way to have that kind of roses in that area yeah yeah. It was too cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're talking this afternoon with uh, Mercedes Helms and, and also with Jacqueline Brown uh, from Pre- Prince of Peace Parish in Great Bend on the uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so let's take a look because we, ha- in fact, we have the image here and uh, talk a little bit about the meaning of, of, of her image. Well, there's a lot of um, <clears throat> symbolism in with her image. Um if you looked at her image, there's a lot of things that maybe people just don't know about. And so when I was doing some research and things that I found, um, it's, it's kind of a good renewal for me, too, to because I've studied her a lot, too. But um, I didn't realize how much how much she represents for our Catholic faith. So one of the things that Mercedes and I were talking about was that um, she appeared 
And there was a luminous light surrounding the Our Lady, which is somewhat similar to the woman that is clothed with the sun from Revelations 12. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much know that story because we hear that every year at the, during the Immaculate Conception. Or if you go to Our Lady of Guadalupe celebrations, you would also hear that reading as well from Revelation 12. But the light is also a sign of the power of God who has sanctified and blessed the one who appears. Um, The rays of the sun would also be recognized by the native people as a symbol of their highest God. Um, The lady comes forth hiding, but not extinguishing the power of the sun. Um, She is now going to announce that God is greater. And so there's someone coming after her who is greater than the sun, the God of the sun, who the natives at that time were worshiping or using as their God. So she, so she's illuminated by the light. Um, she stands on a moon, which symbolizes the, again, the reading from Revelation 12, um, where there's a moon under her feet. The moon was a god of night or a symbol of the god of night. Um, by standing on the moon, she shows that she has, she's more powerful than the guard, god of darkness. Um, however, in Christian iconomy, the crescent moon under the Madonna's feet is usually a symbol of her perpetual virginity, and sometimes it can refer to her immaculate conception or assumption. Other symbolisms, the angel also you might notice that is under her, um, supports the lady, um, which testifies her loyalty um, to the Meso-American Indians at that time. Only the king and queens and other dignitaries would be carried on their shoulders by someone. So that just means that she was of high honor or there was something special about her. And so that's why it testifies her loyalty. Um, The mantle. She's clothed in a green or blue or turquoise mantle. To the native people, this was the color of the gods and of royalty. It was also the color of the natural forces of life. In Christian art, blue in the symbolic symbolized eternity and immortality. In Judaism, it was the color of the robe of the high priest. So, you know, again, it shows that she was royal mm-hmm. to... Um, you know, to God and to the people that she had appeared to, or the people saw her as royalty. The stars that are on her mantle, they come from heaven, um, which means that, you know, she has been crowned the queen of heaven and earth. Um, And so, you know, that's really big symbolism for us with the stars. Also, another interesting thing about the stars is if people didn't know, is that the stars um, show the Uh, on the mantle show exactly how the stars were aligned during the winter solace on the day that she appeared on December 12th of 1531. So her mantle um, shows exactly how the stars were placed in the sky, which is, which is not something that, you know, we didn't live back in that time, 1531. So we don't, you know, we don't know how the stars aligned, but so it's, it's different. It's really significant to our lady of Guadalupe. It's something that, I don't think that we could capture in history any any other way other than through her. So um, her color of her dress, of course, the rose or the red, redness, um, symbolizes the color of dawn, symbolizing the beginning of a new era. It also is a sign of martyrdom for the faith and divine love as well. 
And then one of the other things which was interesting, if people don't know, is that there's a like a bow that's around her waist. If you look really closely, um, that shows a sign of virginity. But it also has other symbols or other meanings.、Um, usually, the bow also in that time represented that the woman was with child, and so this was kind of interesting when I looked at, researched this, and found this out. But the high position of the bow and the slight swelling of the abdomen showed that the lady is with a child. And according to Dr. Carlos Fernandez del Castillo, which is a Leading Mexican obstetrician, the lady appears almost ready to give birth, with the infant he- head down, resting vertically. And so, Our Lady of Guadalupe being December twelfth, and the birth of Christ being, you know, shortly after that,、mm-hmm. um, it shows that you know she was probably almost ready to give birth because of the the way her belly was. So、um, I thought that was kind of interesting, and in different symbolisms of the way she appeared and the way she looks, and the image is has been tested many many times, and there is no evidence that it's a painting,、um, no evidence that it's a photograph. So it's quite interesting that this image. Um, has lasted 450 years, which is when, you know, the it first appeared. So the image has never faded. It's never. I mean, it looks exactly as it appears. So, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, because I do know, I do remember reading some information about it where there's so many unexplained things that it couldn't、mm-hmm. possibly last like it did, for example, or be as vivid as it was. You know, originally, so、uh, a lot、right. of interesting pieces about that. We're talking with Jacqueline Brown and Mercedes Helms from Prince of Peace in Great Bend, as far as、uh, talking on Our Lady of Guadalupe and the meaning of the image. And I know Jacqueline, you were talking about that. Did you have a little more to share on that? Yeah, I had a little <clears throat> bit more to share with that.、Um, it's quite interesting too that there's been lots of experiments and research on the Toma. And another interesting thing is that the eyes—if you would look at the eyes of the Our Virgin、um, of Our Lady of Guadalupe—that、um, there are actual images of people that are inside. Like you know, when you look in the side, the eyes of people. Like sometimes you can see the reflection、mm-hmm. of whatever that person's looking at, and so her eyes have that reflection. And what researchers tell tells us is that. The eyes have a highly detailed picture of at least thirteen people, and these same people are represented in both the left and the right eye. And so, what the Holy See is telling us, or the in Rome, is tells us that based on what they've researched, is that the persons that might have appeared in the in the iris of the eye is the bishop who was at that time. Who the、um, Tilma was brought to,、mm-hmm. um, Juan Diego, an Indian,、um, possibly a slave, because they would have had slaves at that time, and maybe an inter- interpreter as well.、Um, and so, there's quite interesting to see that there's no possible way that those images in the eye could be replicated through a painting or、mm. through drawing or. Through just a photograph, like so, there's it's definitely a miraculous image,、sure. and, and it's just fascinating how that 
Tilma that that it so captures so much detail, and that it's not a painting, but people think it is. But there's no possible way because, like I said earlier, it's lasted you know like 450 years, and I think I was reading here. It says that based on the fibers that was part of the tilma, and that it would have deteriorated within twenty、uh, years.、Mm-hmm. And so, for the fact that it's still existing, it's still in good shape, it's still not faded,、um, then there's there's definitely something miraculous about the image, and it's not just a painting or a photograph, as people might say. So let's talk about the importance of Our Lady of Guadalupe to the Americas, if you wouldn't mind sharing there. Well. Lady Guadalupe, you know, she is the mother of God, and her apparition was the first apparition in America. We have a Lady of、uh, Fatima, but that happened in 1917 in Portugal,、mm-hmm. and hers was the first one in America in 1531 in Mexico. And also because、uh, she's the mother of God,、uh, and she's the patroness of the Americas. That's why it's so important.、Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right.、Um, let's talk about the word Guadalupe because this does obviously have a special meaning. And share a little bit about that. Well, Guadalupe was a name chosen by Mary、uh, because it was a common name in that time, that region, and she wanted to be identified as one of the native people there. Even if you see her color and her facial、uh, features. She looks like an Indian of the native area there in that time. So,、uh, but the Catholic, Rom- the Roman Catholic title of the Blessed Virgin Mary is also Guadalupe, and is associated with a venerated image enshrined within the minor basilica. Have you found that Our Lady of Guadalupe and her meaning and the call to conversion has been lost in the modern day in the, in the people of Mexico? Where is that now? Well. Honestly, I would say yes, because even people celebrate Mexican community, especially celebrate on December twelfth, and that's the day of conversion. But what happened to the other three hundred and sixty-two days that、mm-hmm. we have to to do other <clears throat> stuff? So it's been declining.、Uh, but we still in Great Bend try to to. Celebrate more and encourage people to participate. We are losing the culture. We are losing people. Many people they were born here, and they are from Mexican descendant. Some people die,、mm-hmm. and they don't keep that tradition through the years. So I think it's an important role of the churches to keep this going. This time, like we do confessions during December. December 11, we're going to have confessions. So that's a good time for people. But I think they should be more involved. Through the whole year, and not just one day. Right. So I'm curious because you talk about that that it's you know it's that one day that December 12th. Are the numbers? That, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but just curious: Are the numbers celebrating on December 12th still big numbers? I would assume they are, but is that what you're finding? Yes, they are. But compared to regular masses, the attendance is poor.、Mm. Probably on the Sunday after. Right. Right. Okay.、Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we're talking with Jacqueline and Mercedes about、uh, our Lady of Guadalupe, and、um, 
You've talked about that that uh, call to conversion has kind of been lost uh, in modern day Mexico, but let's um, let's talk a little more about that. Or, or Mexican people, not just necessarily in Mexico in the country, but even outside the country. But does the Mexican community at Prince of Peace? How I know you shared that that's a celebration there. Tell us about that celebration and 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 how that uh, what all takes place there. And the Mexican community in Great Bend celebrate the feast day. With dance and the dances are the dancers are called matachines. That's their name. Mm. And the matachines they perform different steps to portray something about evil, the good versus evil. And um, from December the third through the eleven, we have a novena in the church and also in different homes. And on December twelfth, the matachines. They dance all day long in the auditorium in the evening. And we also have mass, uh, 7 p.m. normally is the time of the mass, mm -hmm. where we have a big attendance. Uh, they have, the church is basically packed mm. people <laughs> coming to right. church that day. Yeah. And then after that, we go to the auditorium to have a light meal, and they keep dancing. And But we do a lot of praises and songs through the whole day on December 12th from 6 till midnight. Mm. 6, 6 a.m.? N.A.M., yes. Really? Okay, so midnight. really it is truly almost is all day and all day. into the evening. Yeah, yeah. some people yeah. take the day off to just be there and praying. And, and it's interesting. Some people come during Mass, they kneel, and they go to the altar when it's time for communion. They kneel from the entrance of the church to the altar to receive communion. Really? So they yes. walk up on their knees? Yes. It's a miracle, uh, you know, sacrifice, mm -hmm. you know, and a way to say thank you for the gifts that they have received. And for many reasons, some people come crying. And it's, uh, it just shocks me all the time when I see that kind of scenes there. But uh, people, devoted people do that. And it's good to see their devotions and, you know, and probably that's the time for conversion for them. That's their advent. <laughs> sure. Well, so I, I'm curious because I've not witnessed a, a celebration, but I understand they're very, very, there's they're very neat celebrations, a lot of tradition that comes with that, a lot of celebration. But what all, I mean, are there some things that go on that you can kind of share? Obviously, you talk about the dancing, but during the Mass itself, is, you mentioned people coming on their knees, mm -hmm. for example. Any other things that, that happen that are maybe different than what we see in a traditional Mass? Well, just at the end of Mass, when Father gives the final blessing, they, the dancers, the matachines, dismiss dancing towards the destination where they're going to perform their dance, mm. which is the auditorium. So right. that's the only thing that they do different. We try to keep the mass as it is, you know, sure. the sure. reverence. and Right. But yeah. that, that, they do that. And, mm -hmm. I, and I've been to the one here in Hayes, so I don't know how much different it might be from compared to Great Bend, mm. but, you know, the one here in Hayes, they dance, like, as a procession into mass, which is really neat because, you know, they dance to a drum, beat of a drum, and then they do the same thing with um, exiting the church as well. And then at St. Mary's here, the lobby area is very giant, 
And so they have lots of room. So they do dancing there. So a lot of people will stay and watch and before they go over to where they do their celebration. And then I know I, I called Macular Heart today to find out what their celebrations were here because I also wanted to put a plug in for them as well. So I was told that they st- they start, and I think that we do the same in Great Bend, is they will, they will start on night, which is the 11th, mm-hmm. um, which is a da- with a danza, which they call the, a dance. Then at midnight, they're going to do uh, Mañanitas, which is like a birthday song. Am I right, Mercedes, on that one? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, singing um, happy birthday. And then um, that night, the next day on the 12th, then they will, they said here they're going to do a rosary um, here and then do some more dancing and then also have mass. And then um, they will have a meal as well after the mass. And usually here they also do, uh, like, a play of, our Lady of Guadalupe, kind of to tell the story of how the Tilma came about, um, how Our Lady appeared. So even if you're not Hispanic or understand Spanish, like my husband doesn't understand Spanish at all, <laughs> but he loves going to the celebration because it's just so, it's different and it's mm-hmm. so neat. And so even if you don't understand Spanish, I still encourage people to go because there's always Hispanic people willing to like help them out or willing to talk to them or, you know, like telling them what kind of food they have there or like what's going on kind of thing. And so it's, it's a really neat celebration to um, attend. So. Sure. All right. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening on your radio, computer, smartphone app or Amazon Echo, Please know, we'll be right back with more about Our Lady of Guadalupe. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Our Lady of Guadalupe. With Mercedes Helms and Jacqueline Brown. Mercedes and Jacqueline are being interviewed by Ken Billinger. Mercedes and Jacqueline are guests today from Prince of Peace and Great Bend talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe. I know, and I'm going to jump back to some, because you talked, uh, uh, you also mentioned Juan Diego, of course, and uh, I'm just, I'm trying to remember the history there. Do you have the history a little bit about Juan Diego? Is there anything that you yeah, can share a, on that? Yeah, I have a little history. Uh, in, um, on December 9, 1531, Lady, our blessed Virgin Mary, she appeared to an Indian Juan Diego. He used to be going to church every Sunday because he wanted to learn the things about God. And suddenly he saw the image of the Mary that appeared to him and started calling him Juan Diego, Juan Dieguito, the smallest of my child. Hmm. And he was captivated with the beauty, the sun, all the stuff that he saw. And she asked him to be the messenger to the bishop to tell him to build 
a little shrine or a church where people can come and pray her. And basically, that was the story. But it started on November 9th, on December 9th. And then he was walking. She appeared on one side of the hill. And then the second time she appeared and she asked him if he delivered the message. Well, he tried to deliver the message to the bishop, but he didn't believe him. Because it was too much for, you know, Catholic. He was from Spain. This is an Indian. They normally praise the son. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you going to tell me that the mother of God is trying to tell you a message? Why she didn't come to me? Because I am almighty to do that. But she appeared to this Indian. So when he went and told the bishop, of course, he did not believe him and told him to go away. Maybe he need to rest because he was seeing things. Mm-hmm. And the second time, Virgin Mary again appeared to Juan Diego and asked him, what did you find out? And he said, he did not believe me. You need to find somebody else to do it because I'm nobody. And she said, no, you are the chosen one. I want you to deliver that message again. And I'm going to be waiting for you right here. So he went, and the same thing happened. And then the bishop said, okay, if you are so much into this, tell that lady that I want to see a sign, something that tells me that she is the mother of God. So he came, and he told her what he said, what the bishop said. And then she said, okay, I want you to do something. But in the meantime, Juan Diego's uncle, Bernardino, was very ill at home. So... Juan Diego tried to avoid Mary by going to the other side of the hill and going home. And then he found that his uncle was ill. So when he tried to come to the other side of the hill, Mary appeared to him and said, okay, did you do what I asked you to do? And he said, no, because, excuses, you know. He said, no, my uncle is sick and I cannot do it. You find somebody else. He said, no, your uncle will be fine. He will be healed. I want you to go to the hill and bring me those leaves those roses, bring them here, and I want to send you the sign that the bishop is asking you for. And she did. He brought the roses, and Mary touched the roses, and suddenly her face was imprinted on the petals of the roses. And he, she said, deliver this to the bishop. I make sure that he's the one who sees that. So in that time, they didn't have backpacks, so he has... Uh, Basically, it was a piece of blanket that they call in that time Tilma. Mm-hmm. And he put all those leaves there and put it in his bag and brought it to the bishop. And when he went there, the bishop asked him, uh, did you bring the sign? And he said, nothing. He just dropped the Tilma. And when he did that, all the petals came off the Tilma. And the miracle was that no roses in that time and her face imprinted on the petals. Mm. So everybody kneel and praise and start believing. And that happened on December 12th. All right, so the story, a little bit of uh, insight from Juan Diego is really, uh, has been an incredible story. Uh, in fact, I read this a while back, and it's just kind of re- you're refreshing my memory now just to, to remind me how amazing this story really is. We've, we've got some time left. We've kind of gone through things, but some, do you have some other things you want to share with that, or do we get everything covered? Or um, I'm, I know that with, um, you know, Bersay saying that, you know, this is the first apparition of the Americas, that, you know, her appearance also converted 
tens of millions of natives to to the Catholic faith. And so as as my understanding or what I remember um, reading too at one point in time was that that was like the largest conversion to the Catholic faith in the in the history of the church. And so, um, you know, so this definitely uh, this image that she appeared and this apparition that she appeared definitely was definitely a conversion that God wanted um, from her from her um, or from the people at that time. So, you know, it's just amazing that that many people converted to the Catholic faith at one point at one time. Um, and, you know, so she's definitely our patron patroness of conversion of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, if you are finding somebody who maybe um, needs a conversion of heart, then that's who you would want to pray to right. as well as to her for that help um, in converting their heart and their soul to um, to God, back to God. So, All right. Very good. Yeah. And Lady Guadalupe is also the patroness of the unborn. Yeah. Um, this She's time. the pro-life. Pro-life. Yeah, pro-life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I know Donetta's, t- and she might be able to share some too, but I know she says that's her, that was Our Lady of Guadalupe was the reason why she went into ministry. But I think that Our Lady of Guadalupe for me just personally, that's the reason why I'm in the pro-life movement or why mm-hmm. I have been called to the pro-life movement. Um, so, you know, I even though I work um, at the Prince of Peace as a youth minister, you know, prior to that, I was here in the diocese, um, in the Salina diocese, working with the Office of Respect Life. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the trip to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. um, putting that together um, now that Deacon Scott's taken over, which he's doing a fabulous job with. Um, that you know that was the reason why why I think I'm I'm in that movement because of just different things that have happened in my life and her and my or my love for her because um, she's definitely you know um, the reason why the pro life movement is so strong now I think so sure I yeah absolutely so Mercedes I guess I'd ask you as far as your uh, obviously, you have that devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, but you might share a little bit about your your devotion to her. Okay, let me be honest to you. I, you know, I'm from Panama. Mm-hmm. I learned about Lady Guadalupe when I came here. Is that right? Yeah, it was 10 years ago when I heard a Mexican community want to do Lady Guadalupe. And I said, what is this about? So I started research on the website and Googling, and then I decided to buy a movie. I bought the movie, and then I wrote the script in English. I wrote the script in English and Spanish. Wow. And I made the play. Oh, my. And we did it in English and Spanish that Saturday, or the day of Juan Diego was December 9, I remember. We have a, a big audience there. People came, and we did the play, and it was fantastic. This year, I'm not going to do that because we have other commitments, so I'm just going to present the movie. But uh, my devotion in Panama is uh, Immaculate Conception. Okay. And that's our, the patroness of Panama. Sure. Mary, Mother of God. Yeah. But here, the devotion it continues. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, Lady Guadalupe, Lady of Fatima, Lady of Lourdes, you name it, it's Mary. And I am all for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and so your, your favorite, one of your favorite days coming up very soon oh, as yes. well. Yeah. And it's Mother's Day in Panama, too. Is that right? December 8th. We are the only one who celebrate Mother's Day. Is that December. because of? Yes. Uh, it is. Okay. Yes. Well, I guess I did not realize that. 
Yes, and I'm so happy on December 8th. I want everybody to come to church that day (laughs) because it's my Mother's Day. And I want people to say Happy Mother's Day. My kids look at me like, Mo, you cannot have two days for Mother's Days. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm glad you told me that because we have uh, uh, in our deacon cohort or one of the cohorts uh, in our diaconate program, um, uh, one of the guys I got to know pretty well, his wife is from Panama. So when I see her this weekend, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tell her Happy Mother's Day and see yes. what she see what she says. Yeah, I mean, yeah. connection with me too. We can talk about Panama. Yeah, yeah. She they ju- they were just there. They just visited um, just very recently. So and just came back. So yeah, very good. So any other final thoughts? Anything else that we didn't cover? Or anything else you want to share with with regards to Our Lady of Guadalupe? I can personally say that I've been there to the Basilica there in in Mexico City. Um, It's very huge. Um, Of course, you can climb the hill to go see the church um, that the bishop had built after the, you know, Juan Diego had gave him the sign. It's a very small church, so it's not very big. So I don't have a lot of history of the Basilica, but I know that they ended up building another one um, that was much larger that does hold the actual tilma there now. And so you can't necessarily go up very close to the tilma to actually see and touch it kind of thing because it's in a frame. But the altar, you can see it from the altar. There's no like actual walkway to get up to the the picture mm-hmm. or the um, the tilma, um, but you have to go down underneath the altar. It takes you down underneath the altar, and you can look up and see the see the image there. But there's I know that when I was was visited there, there's mass almost every hour. Is that <laughs> right? There's like nice. it's just like is yeah it's just mm-hmm. am- it's amazing how many people people go there. Um, that, and that visit. was my next question. How busy was it there? Yeah, obviously, a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, very Imagine busy. December twelve. Yeah, oh, it'll be December very busy. month. Yeah. yeah, super busy. Wow. Yeah, it'll yeah. be very busy. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, but yeah, you can still go up to the hill where the actual church is, and it's pretty neat. It's a nice little walk and a nice. It's they've really. Um, you know, did some really nice landscaping and that kind of thing just to depict of what the flowers were like at that time. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a statue of Juan Diego. And mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, it's a nice little area. Our di- our diocese did a pilgrimage like two years ago to, to the, um, Mexico. Mm-hmm. I was not able to go, but I heard that it was very, people were very impressed and a wonderful experience. So. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And I heard that the um, Lady Guadalupe is also the patroness of the immigrants. That's what I also... Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And now that one I was not aware of. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Well, I know that um, it was kind of interesting because last time, our last carathon, we had, and I'm trying to think of his name, he just ordained a priest in, in Dodge City. Juan Salas? Oh, yes. Juan yeah. yeah. And just it was so, it was such a neat interview from the standpoint of hearing him because he is from Mexico, but mm-hmm. the fact that he got ordained at Our Lady of Guadalupe in Dodge City and what how I said that had to be just extra special for you and he said mm-hmm. it, it truly was. It was just such such a neat, um, interesting story he shared. And then he talked about his friend Gustin 
who's now a priest in the Archdiocese of Kansas City at one of the parishes near me, and uh, he said he's one of his best friends. So I, I friended him on Facebook and want to get to know him better. I've never had the opportunity to meet him, but it's just great because what they're able to bring and able to help with, especially with the Hispanic population as well. So it was exciting, but I just thought that would be so cool to come from Mexico and be ordained at a church there, at the, at the cathedral that's Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thanks for tuning into One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Folks, heaven is unseen, and so are these airwaves. However, if you want to support these radio waves and help save souls for heaven, go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, or use the address to send in a check. Thank you so much. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. One body, stewarding God's creation.